This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. And I'm Chris Knutson, your host for today's episode. I trust this finds you doing well wherever you are and whatever project you have to be working on. In this episode, we're going to be diving into the topic of organizational culture and how it can impact a business's strategy, employee happiness and effectiveness, and overall, a business's bottom line. Now, if you've never spent any time thinking about the culture of the organization you're in or the culture of the organizations you work with or support as clients, well, then maybe after this episode, you will. Because today's guest helps all of us to gain a better perspective about how we as engineer leaders or members of a project team can help shape and form culture to increase capability and results. And we're also going to touch on the importance of identifying the culture of the organization you want to work with or in so you know what's acceptable or not. And the spoiler alert here, it's all about values. And we touch on this in the show. Now, before we move into the main segment, I want to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, the Society of American Military Engineers, or SAME. Now, they're a new sponsor for the Engineering Career Coach podcast, but not new to the scene in bringing together private and public individuals and organizations from architecture, engineering, construction, facility management, and the environmental industries. In fact, they've been providing support to multidiscipline engineers and architects in the public and private sector for nearly 100 years. And on the 23rd and 24th of March, just a week away, Sammy will be providing support to AEC professionals through their annual transition workshop and job fair to be held in Baltimore. You can learn more at same.org forward slash calendar and look for the transition workshop event. And I'll share more with you about this wonderful event later in the show. All right, now I want to give you a quote related to today's topic to bring us into the show. And this one is by today's guest, Carol Ring. A good strategy isn't enough anymore. The most successful business leaders know an aligned and vibrant workplace culture is necessary in order to bring it to life. And with that, let's move into the main segment. Building culture into your engineering firm versus bolting it on. Now it's time for the main segment of our show, and our guest today is Carol Ring. And with a last name like Ring, you shouldn't be surprised that she spent over two decades working in the telecommunications sector. Carol has seen the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to the impact of corporate culture in the workplace. Today, as a keynote speaker and consultant, she guides leaders to develop strong, vibrant cultures. She's the author of Ignite Your Culture, Six Steps to Fuel Your People, Profits, and Potential. And before launching her own venture, Carol worked in corporate Canada for more than 25 years, starting as a junior accountant, and she eventually rose to the highest levels of corporate leadership and was voted one of Canada's most powerful women. She's been awarded Fellow of the Society of Management Accountants, and also recognized by the Women's Executive Network as one of Canada's top 100 most powerful women. And in 2011, Canadian Women in Communications announced Carol as their Woman of the Year. Carol, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. I'm excited to be with you this afternoon. This is great to have you here, Carol. And I'm really excited to be talking with you about workplace culture because it's something that I became aware of through my career in the Air Force and not because anybody ever just came out and said, hey, culture is is present, but I, I sort of just kind of stumbled upon it by virtue of moving through my career and going from different organization to different organization and, and realizing that every one of them had its own 
distinct and unique culture associated with it. They had their own mascots, their own lingo, the word, you know, kind of the conversational topics were always the same. And people really kind of gravitated around the the culture of that unit. And I found it to be pretty interesting. So I was excited the fact that the two of us had the opportunity to link up. And I think this is going to be a great episode for people who are interested within their own engineering companies and the organizations that they're working about to really understand a little bit more about workplace culture. So Somebody that's listening to this may be thinking, well, I'm not even sure, <laughs> sure what you're talking about. I mean, I understand, they may understand culture from a society type or a sociological type of a level, but what defines a workplace culture? Well, you know, we're all very in tuned with the what that goes on in our organization. You know, we have job descriptions and, and we know we have these tasks to do, but culture is really all about the how and how we get that work done. So uh, I like to see it as a, as a balance to the what, what we do and how we do it. So if I'm a, an individual or even just an like a leader, leader within an organization, what are some of the aspects that I might be able to think about? If I think about my organizational culture, I think people can figure out, and maybe this is one of those things that's almost intuitive. It's like, I, I know what culture is. I know what my organizational culture is. What are some of the things that maybe actually kind of like specific things that you could say, this is what defines your workplace culture. You know, would it be like, you know, like this kind of like an expectation that you show up early or you stay late, or maybe there's other aspects of what that looks like, what kind of frames out a workplace culture? Yeah, every organization has its own unique culture. We may all want to have innovative or agile cultures, but really, Every organization has a different makeup of culture. And I love to ask people, if you could give me three words to describe your workplace, what would those three words be? And I think that's a great way to sort of bring awareness to an individual about their workplace culture. Because I don't think we think about it. it. It sort of exists. It's there. But nobody's really doing a lot of talking about it. A lot of leaders aren't actively managing it. And so I don't think a lot of people are really thinking about it. And so I love to ask that question that says, if you could describe your workplace, if you could describe how your work gets done, what are the three words that you would use to describe it? One of the exercises I usually use, I ask people about their values. Would the words that you use to describe a workplace culture sort of like characteristics, organizational characteristics or values? I love to talk about values as opposed to talking about management styles or communication styles, I think values is a, is a very powerful way to describe a workplace. So for example, I have a, a client who is in a software organization out in Vancouver, actually on the west coast of Canada. And when I asked him the question, he said, we're very innovative and we like to be agile, but there are times when we are frustratingly slow about decision-making. And, and so it's really those kinds of words that I like to ask people to use when they talk about their culture. It's an interesting way of go, going about doing it because I think you're right. I mean, I was just running through my mind about as I, as I thought through, you know, the different organizations that I've, that I've had the opportunity to, uh, to work within. And, and one of, the, I guess, one of the benefits of, my career track is I've had an opportunity to to be a part of a lot of different organizations, and um, I never really thought about you know how to describe how to easily describe it in you know two or three words. Even when I was leading those organizations, I never really thought about trying to well how would I describe it in two or three words. 
Although, I, again, I intuitively sort of understood culture. And as a leader, I attempted to, uh, I guess, modulate myself to to follow the culture of the organization that I was now leading, which is maybe a little bit different because of the organization or the overall organization I work within. But let's say I'm an owner of an engineering firm or I'm a senior partner in an engineering company and you know, I'm at the senior leadership level. Is there a way that I can actually influence the culture that's in my organization? And if so, how would I even go about doing that? Is it disingenuous or is it something that's acceptable to even do? Well, actually, it is the beliefs and behaviors of the leader that sets the tone for the culture in an organization. So it's the way the leader actually behaves will ripple down and impact how the employees behave. So if you are very cost conscious, if you are a very hands-on manager, then your employees are going to react to that. And it's going to be difficult for them not to be cost conscious if you are very cost conscious. If you're very innovative, if you love to build new designs, if you love to have lots of uh, tools around to help with design, then that will also influence the way your employees act. So it is very important for a leader to really understand how their behaviors and the policies that they might put in place as a result of the things they feel are important are actually shaping and creating the culture in their organization. One of the things that I attempted to do, so I had an opportunity to be the commander, really the, the organizational leader for about a, almost a 600-person organization. And as I was leading up to that, taking over that job, Carol, I had thought through, you know, what were the things that I was going to do? And one of them that I wanted to make sure that I did was to make sure that I wasn't the last person out of the building because I had this, it wasn't like a, just kind of a genuine or like maybe a a guess, but I had this pretty strong belief that I knew that if I stuck around, the longer I stayed in the building, the longer the rest of my staff would be there. And so I made it the point that despite of how much work that I had, that I left the building at 5 p.m. every day. That didn't mean that I, I quit work. <laughs> I, usually went home. I usually went home and I did work, you know, it was like kind of a, you know, kind of the, the distance work or whatever at home off my computer. But essentially everybody saw the boss walk out of the building at 5 p.m. Because I knew that there were people that were going to stick around in that building until I was the last and they until I left before they left just because of the culture of the overall organization. So those are the types of things that you're talking about where people within your organization are going to be looking to you as the leader to really kind of set the tone, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, some leaders will go through the exercise of saying, oh, you know, teamwork's really important to us and accountability is important to us. Innovation is important to us. And they, you know, you get the marvelous posters on the wall and yet their own behavior doesn't support that. And so when that happens, then employees become confused. You know, okay, you said you wanted teamwork, but all the rewards in this organization are, are personal rewards. So, you know, you recognize the top salesperson. You recognize the person who brought the project in on time, perhaps. Well, that doesn't promote teamwork. If you're doing a kind of a reward and recognition program that's for individuals, And so then the employees become confused. They're not sure what you want. Do you want teamwork because you've got posters on the wall? Or do you want me to make sure I drive and that I am the singular successful person? And so it's important as a leader that you understand not only what you feel is important for the organization, but can you authentically produce that kind of culture with your own behaviors? 
it shouldn't be a hard issue to be able to wrap your mind around and actually not only wrap your mind around, but actually do. But I suspect from the experiences that you've got that this is that you're finding that is is actually kind of a difficult thing in some organizations that there's this dichotomy and dissonance between saying what I say and then doing what I actually do. Absolutely. I mean, I think there's a classic case around call centers where everybody says customer service, customer service. We care about our customers. We want to give the best service to our customers. And yet you are measuring those employees based on how long they're on a call, their average call handle time, right? And it's not uh, first call resolution. It's, you know, how fast can you get off the call? How many calls can you take? And so you're saying one thing, we want customer first, but that's not the way you're actually driving the business. And I think within an engineering firm, it comes down to providing value and benefits to the client. Maybe you may not initially wrap your mind around it as the same thing as a call center, but I could see the same issues being that, you know, that there's this driving force to move towards delivery of the project on schedule, below cost, and trying to meet the, you know, the magic of the project triangle but you know, having this dissonance with pushing towards doing that and then doing the right thing. And so I think that there's that can be a very challenging and a slippery slope very easily for some organizations, especially, and maybe this is something that your expertise may be able to, to play into, especially based off of the maturity of the leadership that's involved. Have you found that there's a certain maturity level or a certain level of leadership that transcends or maybe moves past a barrier when it comes to cultural development? Certainly there's a required awareness from the leader. You know, the leader really needs to be sensitized to the fact that there is a culture there, to the role that they are playing in setting the tone of the culture, and then really trying to understand what's the culture that I need in order for my organization to be successful. So in an engineering firm, is innovation really critical? Are you really innovating? Or is it about creativity and trying to, as you say, fit everything into the project triangle? What is it that I really need in order to be successful? Do I need people to be to really value design work? Or do I need people that can be accountable so that if a project starts to run over their costs, that they'll stand up and step up right away and, and call it out? as opposed to letting it just float around the background and all of a sudden, oh, there's this huge issue all of a sudden that raises its head. So I think those are really critical things for a leader. A, to be aware of the impact of the culture, being aware of how they are impacting the culture, and then really fundamentally coming to grips with what's the right culture for my organization. That's an interesting thought because, you know, because as engineers, we're, we're in the mindset of designing and planning and trying to identify somebody's requirements and how do I design and produce something to fulfill those requirements. So it's almost a thought that before you and I had our initial conversation, I had never really thought about, which is you can actually design the culture that you want to have in your organization to be a complement to what it is that you're trying to achieve. So I think there was a I've heard this phrase before that you could build and design your culture into an organization versus bolt it on. And so what are your thoughts about that? I mean, is, how does somebody go through the process of designing a culture? And again, is there something almost disingenuous about that? Or is it something that is really should be done sort of in the mainstream in order to make sure that the organization you end up with is the one that you actually want? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's Peter Drucker's famous uh, phrase, right? That's culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> this is where yeah. the the challenge for leaders is, you know, that you go out and you do all this strategic planning and you've got this great document about how you're going to move the organization forward, but you haven't really thought about the culture of your organization and how it can actually help you move the organization forward or it can hold you back. And so if you decide that you need a culture of accountability, because it's really important in the delivery of your projects that people be accountable, then you actually want to actively build that into your organization, whether it's through your recruitment, through your performance management programs. You want to make sure that you've created an environment where people feel free to open up and tell you when they've got an issue. And so that doesn't happen just by putting a poster up on the wall saying accountability is important to us. You have to actually create that environment that allows it to exist. And so you really have to take your strategic plan and your culture and marry them together. And so you want to be able to hire people that will bring the positive aspects that you want in the culture of your organization. That's a brilliant way of, of thinking about things. And it leads us into then this next session or section, which is really about organizational strategy. And so from what you're saying is it's we can design and then build a culture in an organization that complements or is going to ensure that the strategy that we have for our organization is going to be effective. Or is this something that's the other way around? I mean, how does culture actually affect organizational strategy? I think it's the fuel. It, that's how I like to describe it. The culture is the fuel for your strategy. So, for example, when I was in the telecommunications industry, I was actually in the cable cable industry, and it was all about customer service, right? We have a call center. We have technicians who go out and, and install cable in homes. So customer service, like if we didn't have customer service, our competitors were going to beat us out of the market day after day. It's also a type of business where teamwork is critical. You've got salespeople taking the orders up front and then the orders getting to a dispatch system and dispatch sending out installers. And if installers have an issue, they've got to refer it back up to service. And in the meanwhile, you've got a whole fleet of construction going on, actually building the infrastructure. And so people can't just be operating as individuals. And so we knew we, for sure we had to have those two pieces in our culture if our strategy was going to be successful. And so I had to make sure I was hiring up leaders who also felt that those were important, who could live that type of value. And uh, I had a situation where I had to turn around an organization in order to do that. I had to let some people go and bring some other people in. And we had to change some of the policies and procedures in place to really allow true customer service and true teamwork to live and bring our strategic plan to life. And was that based off the fact that you had you had a negative culture in place or was there just minor dissonance between what was needed to be able to move the company's strategy forward or was there, was there something else associated with that? Well, I had run a very successful uh, unit up in uh, Ottawa. And when I reflected back on that success, it was really about how we did the work together. And that's when it, I sort of had this aha moment about the impact of culture on driving your business forward. Because when you have a really strong, positive culture, people want to do the work and they want to come to work and they want to serve. And the work just gets done so much more effectively. And when I went down to the turnaround organization, 
it was a lot of siloed groups, a lot of uh, people who had been rewarded for managing their own particular area. And so they were not incented to be team players. They had really struggled with delivery and execution. And the employees were really getting tired of being beaten up all the time. Oh, you're the worst performing unit. And so there was a lot of finger pointing going on. I mean, it was a miserable place to work. And so I knew from my previous experience that, you know, we needed to shake that up. We needed to change it. We needed to create a supportive environment with the right skills and the right behaviors that would allow people to properly deliver the work that needed to get done. And it's so powerful when you see the shift from a poor, negative culture into something that's really vibrant and positive. Carol, so this makes me think, how would one, you know, understand or maybe be able to describe a negative versus a positive culture? Because as we've been talking, you know, we're kind of getting this this feeling for the power, we use the word power in a, in a positive sense, but the power that a leader has over their organization when it comes to setting the culture. So there's a negative, there could be a positive. What does a negative versus a positive culture look like when we start looking at an organization? Well, you know, Chris, I use a survey tool that was uh, developed by Richard Barrett out of the UK, actually. And in that survey, we ask employees of an organization to choose words out of a list of about 80 to describe their current culture. And I have uh, had a client who, when we did this exercise, the employees responded with words like bureaucracy, siloed, information hoarding, manipulative, cost control. Now, there were some positive words in there as well, but I think if you got that kind of an answer back, you would go, oh boy, this doesn't sound like a very happy place to work. Yeah, definitely. And in contrast, I've worked with a small IT firm as an example, where uh, the words that they used were teamwork, innovation, customer service, passion, creativity. You can just feel from the choice of words that they've used uh, how exciting it is for them in their workplace. So let's say I'm the leader of, a, of an engineering firm, and, and I just listened to that description right there between employees coming back with responses like you know, bureaucratic, stovepiped, manipulative, which is that's just mind-blowing to even have that kind of a comment come back from one's workforce versus innovative and open. If I'm an engineering, I would say I'm the, I'm the leader of an engineering company. I own that company. How do I make sure, what are some of the things that I'm looking at of trying to make sure that the culture that I'm putting in place is reflecting that type of an open type of organization? Because it would seem to me that I'd want to have an open organization in order to be productive versus one that's not so open. So what are some of the things that you've seen in working with the different companies you've been working with that are that would lead me to that kind of an environment where I can shape that type of an open company? Right. And, and for me, that's the power of this type of a survey or getting this kind of feedback from your employees, because really it opens the door to some very rich and robust conversations. So what's interesting about using values to describe a culture is, you know, words may mean a different things to different people. What may be bureaucratic to me may be a welcome form of structure for somebody else. And so it's always a great exercise to then take these words and say, okay, so when you say we're information hoarding, what does that really look like? And then you find out, well, it's not really information hoarding, that people are purposely hoarding information. It's just that the systems that you've got in place 
don't allow the information to flow through in a way that's convenient and available to employees. And so then you go, oh, I get it. If I just change this, and in this case, it might not even be a behavioral thing. It may just be a process or a systems thing. I can move my culture away from one where people think it's information hoarding to one where it's collaborative. And so it's about having those discussions and getting down into, so what does it actually look like? What are the things that we are doing that are creating this feeling of information hoarding, as an example? I like the idea of using values it is the way of being able to unpack how the organization and how the individuals themselves look at things. It's interesting to be able to make that, that the distinction between the individuals and the organizational values as you go through that. I would imagine that that allows you, once you step into that realm where you're talking about values, which are almost become a tangible issue for individuals, that that when you start talking about values, that you're able to, you're able to then start looking at, well, you know, what's the baseline for the company or the organization that I'm looking at? And then as you work with your leaders, are you able to then get into a position where you can look at it and go, okay, well, how can you make a shift or how might you make a shift in the culture of your organization where it is right now today to where you want it to be in order to be able to execute or bring into reality the strategy that you're talking about? Is there a way that, that you're able to do that? Yeah. And, and that's why I spent a lot of time to actually look at what would be the process? How can I help demystify this concept of shifting culture for leaders? And so I've uh, put it down into a six-step process. And so I use the acronym IGNITE to put that process out there. And so the first I in IGNITE is for inquire, and that's the survey piece that we've been talking about. The second one is gather. And so, you know, surveys give you data, but that doesn't really mean anything. You have to go out and gather the, the real stories behind the survey results. The third one is letter is N, N is for name. Now let's name the values we feel that are important in the organization. The next I is for embed, and this is where the rubber hits the road. Because quite frankly, Chris, a lot of leaders who are engaged in culture do those first three steps. They do a survey, they get the data, they might do some focus groups, and then they decide what they think is going to be important, and they put those showy posters up on the wall. They might give out uh, little desktop reminders and do a little rah-rah town hall. But if that's all they do, I like to describe that as the fad, the fun and done. What's really important is that fourth step, the I for embed, where you have to build an action plan. You have to say, okay, what are we going to do differently in order to shift from where we are today to where we need to be? And I think you have to look at three things. You have to look at your people and their actual behaviors and their alignment of their personal values to the values that you want to have in the organization. You have to look at the policies and, that you've put into place because sometimes over time, you know, policy manuals have just built up and built up, built up, and we don't realize that they're really not relevant anymore and they're not really helping us. And you have to look at the processes that you've put in place. How are they aligned with the culture that you want to have. If you want to have lots of creativity and innovation, but you've got people filling out form after form after form and driving creativity out, well, you don't really have a lot of alignment. And so you have to build this action plan to do something differently. And then we all know 
what gets tracked gets managed. So that's the T in Ignite. You have to then find ways of, of actually measuring those activities that you want to put in place, whether it's a project plan or is it a new system that you're putting in place or are you changing out some personnel or changing a performance management system. And then E, at the end of, the, of some time, you want to go back in and you want to evaluate how you've done and do another survey and see are the actions that we're taking actually causing a shift in the culture in the way we want it to go. That's brilliant. I think engineers can completely wrap their minds around the idea of a process to go through that again. And we'll give an opportunity for you a little bit later on to uh, in the interview here, the discussion to be able to let the folks know where they can come find out more about that. But I think the idea of using a process to unpack the culture of your organization and maybe even think about how you want to move forward and design and then build the culture that you want in the organization that you want, that, that you're leading is, is vitally important. So let's say I've moved into a leadership role or I own a, an engineering company and I'm not happy with the culture that I have in the organization that, I, that I'm in right now. What steps can I take to actively design or adjust the organizational culture that I've got that's in front of me? Well, the very first thing you're going to have to do is look in the mirror because as the leader, you are setting the tone for your organization. And so you have to be very aware of what are the things that I really value? What are the things that I really enjoy doing that will influence the culture? And are those the right things? So if I don't really value customer service, I'm not going to be able to authentically convince the rest of my employees that customer service is important. I may be able to get there. I may need some executive coaching or, or I may have to frame it a little bit differently. What I initially thought was customer service and didn't really value, when it's framed differently, I go, oh, I get it. You know, I see why it's important and I can actually sign up for that. So the first step is you actually have to look in the mirror and say, you know, are there things that I am doing that are contributing to the culture where it is today that doesn't seem to be where I need it to be? And then you have to go the next level down and look at your own leadership team and say, are they able to also uh, live the culture and the values that I need to have in order to be successful here? Or do I need to provide them with some sort of coaching and support? Or do I need to change out a few individuals? Because they're sort of that square peg in a round hole. It's not that they're poor, bad people. It's just maybe they value something different than what you need to have in the organization there. And by the way, if you are a person in an organization and you are not happy in your organization, you are probably that square peg in a round hole where your personal values just aren't lining up with the organization's values. And as a result, it's causing you all kinds of stress. As you mentioned that, the first thing that came, there were two things that came to my mind. And the first <laughs> first one I'm going to share is kind of a, a humorous one. So it's the uh, Christmas time video. We'll link this up in the show notes, but it's the uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer show that plays every time during Christmas. We just saw it. And it has to do with Herbie, the uh, the elf that wants to be at a dentist. It was clearly evident that his his values didn't link up with the or organizational values. That literally was the first thing that came through my mind. Is and I, but I think that is so important because because we've been talking about organizational values and and how that sets the culture. But there's also reciprocal to this, and that if if you're a 
if you're an individual and you're looking at, let's say you're, you're an engineer and you're looking at, hey, I want to go and I want to, I want to make a shift in the organization that I'm working for or I'm working with, depending on how you want to use that, the terminology there, that you look at the values of the organization that you would like to work with. And it really requires, in my mindset, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this, but in my mindset, it really requires the individual to have a very clear understanding of what their values are and what kind of a culture they want to go work for, because it can be very easy to just not think about it, maybe chase how many zeros there's going to be on the offer that's going to come to you. And then you find out three months into it, it's not a fit, that you become that square peg. And so what are your thoughts on using what we've been talking about with regards to culture and kind of flipping things along around here from the leader perspective to me being an individual looking for a company that I want to go work for? Yeah, absolutely. And we are seeing this more and more with the millennial generation. They are much more in tune with uh, finding a workplace that they can thrive in, that's comfortable for them. They're asking a lot of questions in the interview process about culture of an organization. And they're asking the interviewer, you know, okay, I want you to describe the culture of this organization because I'm going to decide whether that's the kind of place I want to come and work. And that's one of the big driving factors now for people to start to think about what the culture is in their organization. Because if you want to attract top talent, you know, you're going to have to face this question about what is your culture. And if you have to choose words like bureaucratic and manipulative and siloed to describe your organization, there's not going to be a lot of people who's going to want to stay and, and work there. And so not only is it difficult to attract people, but you don't retrain people because people are starting to, to churn out and find places that are much less stressful to work with. And so as an individual, if you really understand what's important to you and you get yourself in an organization that shares those values, you're going to really want to show up on Monday mornings. You're not going to be sitting there just counting the minutes until Friday at five. Not only for millennial, the millennial generation, anyone out there that's looking for a position in that perspective, but I would say for even anybody who's going through a transition is to take some time and step back and think about what are the elements that you value? What are your values? Before you start looking at the dollar values associated with an offer that you've got, you have that comes in, is to take that perspective of the dollar values, is that truly more important than the values that are associated with the organization that you're looking at? Yeah. So step back and look at those organ the organizational values. Do they align with yours? Because if you're a person who values family, and relationships with their friends and the free time and those other aspects of being able to have control over your schedule, yet you're working for an organization who has the values of you're going to work as many hours as it takes to get the job done, while you have entered in, you're going to create a significant level of dissonance between what you desire and what reality is. So I think some great advice and some great information to be able to pass on to people is a potentially maybe looking at what do they do if they're in a transition period. So that's, that's great. So where can people learn more about the work that you're doing, Carol? Uh, well, I just happen to have a website. Isn't that convenient? Yeah, very much. Uh, <laughs> it's easy to check out. It's uh, just www.carolring.ca. That's one place they can look. I've written a book that helps people get a really sort of a better understanding of what culture is all about and the various ways that it impacts your business because, believe it or not, it's not just your employees. It can affect your branding. It can affect mergers and acquisitions. 
it can affect your the cost. There's a cost to poor culture, and and I talk in more depth about the the actual six step process. And that book is available on Amazon, for example, uh, Ignite Your Culture, Six Steps to Fuel Your People, Profits, and Potential. It's also available on the website as well. So those would be uh, two spots to get people to check out if they want to learn more about uh, the type of work that we're doing to help leaders and department leaders or project leaders work in the realm of culture. Those will be linked up in the show notes for today's episode. And just sort of unpack and and really kind of summarize for everyone some of the key takeaways here that I just took. I think this is a great exercise. It's actually one that if I took a note, I plan on plan on using this in a lot of the a lot of the, the work that I do, but really asking stepping back and asking yourself, what are the three words that you can use to describe your organization? I think that's a brilliant exercise, Carol. I mean, because it's I mean, you know, how often do you do that where you're kind of taking stock of the organization that you're either that you lead or the one that you're in? I think it's a great takeaway. This is, in my mind, Leadership 101, and it's almost, you know, how you walk and how you talk is how your team's going to walk and talk, and they're also it's how they're going to act. So I think that's a great a great takeaway as well. And then the other one is that we'll have to make sure we link this one up in the show notes because this is a great quote. But the culture eats strategy for breakfast. You know, what type of an organization do you want? And the need, that, again, it kind of comes back to this need to be able to, to walk the talk. And a great book is titled Let My People Go Surfing. And it's by the founder of Patagonia, Yvonne Shard. You know, there's there's a great portion in the first part that kind of unpacks who he is as an individual and how he came to to create the company Patagonia, but that all leads one into understanding how one's personal beliefs can lead to the culture of an organization. So I think if you're in a leadership position and you're trying to understand what culture looks like and how the actions that you can personally take are going to affect your culture, that would be a great resource to go and check out. And then last item, Carol, that I took away from your conversation with, I think is a really kind of a key takeaway for anyone who's listening is that culture is the fuel of your company's strategy. I think it's a great insight that you shared with us and I really appreciate that. So Carol's going to stay with us for the Take Action Today segment of the show and each of us are going to give some actionable advice on the topic. And as a reminder, the show notes for today's show are going to be at engineeringcareercoach.com. And they're going to contain a summary of all the key points that we discussed in today's episode, as well as links to the resources, websites, and a couple of the books that we've mentioned during the show. And again, those show notes are going to be located at engineeringcareercoach.com. So stand by, and we'll be back in just a moment. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show, and today's guest, Carol Ring, has agreed to stick with us to end so we can share with you two actions you can take immediately to make shifts in your team or organizational culture. But before I do that, I'd like to share a little bit more about the Society of American Military Engineers Transition Workshop and Job Fair. The SAMI 2016 Transition Workshop and Job Fair connects AEC professionals with SAME sustaining member companies and federal agencies looking for talent to pursue their federal programs and projects. Whether you're a transitioning service member, a recent veteran, or a seasoned professional ready to make your next career move, you're going to benefit from the opportunity to meet with recruiters and other professionals from over 20 leading AEC firms and government agencies. Each attending company and agency has private suite, which allows for small group gatherings as well as one-on-one discussions, and most importantly, 
All the companies and agencies are looking to fill positions that are specific to the skills and expertise of today's AEC professionals. And the event is free for SAME members who are transitioning military, veterans, or unemployed. And there's a nominal fee for SAMI members currently employed in the private sector. And if you're a non-SAMI member, no worries. You can also attend the event for a fraction of the cost of most transition workshops and job placement events with high-caliber companies. And if you're active duty military or work for the government, SAME membership is only $60, so you can join and attend for free. Now, the event is next week on 23 and 24 March in Baltimore. And if you're also looking for continuing education credits, SAME is hosting a one-day eight professional development unit event on project management on the 22nd of March. Head over to SAME.org forward slash calendar today to learn more and most importantly, get your tickets. Take advantage of this great event and engineer your next move. So this has been a good conversation. I trust by now that you appreciate the understanding that culture is going to get you further along and landing a new job or growing in the one that you already hold, or moving your company or your organization forward. And why? Well, because understanding culture allows you to build relationships that have value. And understanding that a culture gives you the ability to fit in, a prerequisite for making a connection. It also gives you the ability to be able to allow your company to align with the values that you have as a person. If you don't understand that culture leads to all of these things and you have no connection, in the worst case, you're going to ultimately end up with rejection and or conflict or dissonance. And that's one reason we see so much conflict between people and organizations or even nations. So different cultures with constituents not understanding the other culture ultimately are going to result in conflict. So understanding the culture of the firm that you're pursuing or interviewing with is essential if you're out there looking for a new job. It's also important if you're the leader of an organization or a company to be able to understand the culture of the organization that you're leading and to look at it and step back for a moment and really kind of look at the culture that you want to have in the company that you're leading and being able to take a moment to be able to think through some of the things that, that Carol's unpacked for us today on what you can do to be able to move your company from point A to point B. So I think it's great. And Carol, I really appreciate, again, that you've come on the show. So for the engineer leaders that are out there that are listening today, what's a simple action that they can take immediately to consciously create the culture that they're looking for in their project team or their organization? That's a great question, Chris. And uh, I'm not sure that there's anything that's really simple about uh, culture. However, one thing I would suggest is that they can go to the, my website. I have there a free leadership impact guide and they can sign up for that, download it, and they can go through the exercise becoming aware of their own personal values and understanding what's really important to them. It's a quick, easy exercise to do, and it's a great exercise that you can then take and do with your team members. And that will open up some great conversations about how you do what you do at your workplace. That's brilliant. And Carol, we'll make sure that that's linked up for everyone that's listening. And please go and do that. I think this is a topic and an issue that resonates with you. Move out and take action on that. I really, truly, from a leadership standpoint, think that that if you don't have your culture right in the organization that you're leading today, that you're going to ultimately not be able to achieve the goals that you personally are looking for and organizationally are looking for, and more importantly, are looking for with regards to the clients that you're serving or the people that are working for you. So take care of yourself, take care of your people, take care of your clients, move out on some of the actions you've heard about today in this episode and everything's going to work out for you. Well, I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. 
Anthony and I always love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. And you can always go to engineeringcareercoach.com and search for this episode and leave a question in the comment section. We'd love to see the comments. Or you can visit the Ask Us tab on the website because we are always monitoring the comments and we're going to respond if you leave us one. And until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach Podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.